Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 19th. No, it's the 20th. Look at that. I'm already wrong and I'm just starting the hour. Let me start all over again. That's me. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun and clouds today. High 76. Cool and clear overnight. Low 58. And then Thursday, another beautiful day. Sunshine high 75. If you're walking out the door with us right now, 52 and clear in New City in Rockland County. 55 and clear in Keyport down in New Jersey. And it is 58 and clear here in Midtown. So much to get to as we work our way up six o'clock hour sid and friends in the morning breaking news overnight on staten island in a large group of protesters on staten island blocking a bus that was carrying migrants last night to a shelter that had been set up at a senior home in midland beach this seemed to be sort of an organic protest when people heard that these buses were coming from manhattan that had migrants aboard they uh, went and blocked the street so these buses could not uh, uh bring these migrants to that shelter in midland beach uh the face of this migrant movement to stop them from coming from the u.s mexico border from them being sheltered across new york city of course is our own curtis sliwa who was at this protest last night well you would think uh, that there were terrorists here i count 300 cops standing blocking us threatening to arrest us there's 50 police cars treating the citizens of Staten Island as if they're criminals. Remember, in the summer of 2020, this is where Blue Lives Matter started. The residents of Staten Island stood with the cops when nobody else did against Black Lives Matter Antifa. And now, because Eric Adams orders them out here, they come out in force. And I said to them, this is the same mayor who signed a consent decree just a week ago that don't even permit you to put your hands on demonstrators. You're not able to do anything. And yet he tells you to run here and you drop everything you're doing and you line up against us as if you're criminals. This is a disgrace. So there were protesters who blocked this one. It was an MTA bus that was bringing the migrants uh, to this shelter. The protester uh, taking place on Father Cabadano Boulevard in Midland Avenue in Midland Beach. They blocked the bus. Uh, here's more from Curtis, who was there last night taking part in this protest, sort of leading the protest for that matter. All the people were doing here is having a protest exercising their First Amendment right of free speech against illegal aliens coming in. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their backgrounds are. And the worst thing is 200 senior citizens 
got kicked into the streets, Americans from the greatest generation, some veterans, to make room for gangbangers, drug dealers, maybe rapists, narco-terrorists, sex traffickers. So there were arrests last night. John Tobacco, who has also been involved in this migrant movement, uh, explains what took place when these protesters took over the street and uh, did, well, they didn't do battle with police, but police uh, came in and started making arrests. Between the people and the bus full of migrants, hundreds of cops showed up. People were outraged. People were unruly. They were being civilly disobedient. And there was a standoff for over four hours with the migrants in the bus. Finally, a massive police presence came. The borough commander, Galata, started ordering people to be arrested to intimidate the protesters and scare them. Eight people were arrested while trying to block the roadway and block the buses from coming in. Senator Andrew Lanza was there. Curtis Sliwa was there. And hundreds of people in the community. Mayor Adams thought we were only defending St. John Villa, but in Staten Island, we're defending everywhere. Yeah, so it was an ugly scene between the police and these protesters last night. Eight arrests were made. Now, the end of the story is the bus did make it through to this senior citizen center that has been emptied out, and these migrant families will be moved in. Um, but those protests, no doubt, will con- uh, continue on Staten Island. All right, let's get into the big headlines of the morning. The top five at five. And, of course, it was those cops versus the people out on Staten Island. Have the Chinese really infiltrated our public education system? It was another big day of protests and speeches at the United Nations. Strange night at the New York Ballet. And did a man make a death dive into the water out on Long Island? All right, 506, let's start with just that strange story of the uh, jet that went missing, the military jet that was missing for about 12 hours after a pilot used it to parachute his way out of it. The, the Marine Corps suspending flights for a couple of days after that F-35B fighter jet disappeared for hours when the pilot ejected over South Carolina on Sunday. Questions have been raised how the military could lose such a sophisticated and expensive warplane for 12 hours. They literally picked the most elite fighter pilots to go on this particular airplane. And the training is very exhaustive for even the experienced fighter pilots. Captain Ross Amer there. He's a retired airline pilot, CEO of Aero Consulting Experts, dealing in both commercial and military aircraft. He says in 2008 dollars, that F-35B cost about $80 million, or today's money, more like $110 million. Debris from that plane, of course, eventually found about 100 miles north of Charleston. A spokesman from Joint Base Charleston said the plane's transponder wasn't working, making it nearly impossible to track. But lots of people saying, hey, the transponder on a $100 million plane should work. By far, F-35 and this particular model, the B model, which is the VTOL or vertical takeoff and landing type, this one is the most sophisticated and expensive as you could imagine. The other big question is, was this plane sabotaged? Did someone take over the controls remotely? We don't know any of that. Uh, Obviously, if uh, anybody in the military knew there are vulnerabilities, uh, they have to basically stop the aircraft from flying grounded 
till they find out what it is. And this military airline consultant says he thinks the Marine Corps will be able to turn this investigation around quickly and get some answers. Because at some point they may even be pressure on him to ground the fleet, and they don't want to do that. Yeah, just an odd story. Hopefully we get more details as the days wear on. WABC News Time 509. Day five of the U.S. automakers strike. They're still walking the picket line. The big three automakers disputing, though, claims of unfair and excessive CEO pay made by the United Auto Workers. Uh, Stellantis' CEO, Mark Stewart, says the pay depends on the success of the company. Our CEO is is paid based on the performance of the company. 90-plus percent of of Carlos's pay is tied to that. GM's CEO, Maria Berra, says her $29 million pay package is tied to the success of GM and claims when the company does well that every Everybody does well. The UAW says the CEO pay has skyrocketed. Why? They've only seen a 6% raise in the last four years. Three years into our merger, uh, it's been three of the best profit-sharing years as we look over the last three years and, and folks enjoying that. And we want to make sure going forward, folks continue to enjoy that. Yeah, so they're claiming, no, that's not the case. Those auto workers looking for a shorter work week, higher pay, and better pension benefits. That as... Donald Trump says he's going to skip next week's uh, big debate and instead hang out with United Auto Workers. But the United Auto Workers president says he's against that idea. Trump reportedly plans to meet with auto workers next week instead of attending the second Republican presidential debate. UAW President Sean Fain said every fiber of their union is being poured into fighting the billionaire class and economy that enriches people like Trump at the expense of workers. Payne said we need to stop electing billionaires and millionaires who have no understanding of what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. The UAW is on strike against the big three U.S. automakers demanding better pay and pension benefits. I'm Mark Mayfield. WABC News Time 511. Former NFL safety Sergio Brown says he's not missing. He's apparently turned up in Mexico. Uh, he's talking about his mother's bizarre death. She was found uh, dead in the woods near their house in Ohio. Here you took to Instagram to talk about this. Fake news. Fake news. Fake news. So he uh, shared this home with his mom. He says he was on vacation at the time of her reported death. He also seemed to accuse local police and the FBI of potentially being responsible for, for his mother's death. Myrtle Brown was reported to be unresponsive near a creek behind her home on Saturday in Maywood. And uh, they're still searching, they say, for Brown. But he says, here I am in Mexico. It had to be the FBI or the Maywood police. I thought mom was on vacation in Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that story. Uh, police not saying a whole lot. 512, education leaders urging Congress to crack down on foreign influence in the nation's classrooms. Oklahoma State Superintendent of Schools says he's astounded by what he so's called a Confucius Classrooms program that's being used there in Oklahoma. We're allowing a hostile, foreign, anti-democratic government a foothold into our schools. So this is what he claims, that a national security issue because Chinese propaganda is whitewashing history. A recent report from the group Parents Defending Education shows that since 2009, nearly $18 million of Chinese Communist Party funding has gone to school programs in 34 states across the country. When CCP-associated programs are present, there is a demonstrated track record of infringements on academic freedom and the whitewashing of Chinese history. And that Oklahoma State Superintendent says 
because we need to take a hard look at what our kids being taught may be being influenced too much by the Chinese. It is hard enough to root out Chinese misinformation and propaganda without providing them an influence inside of our schools. WABC News Time 513. Let's go down to Texas. Republicans continue to bash President Biden's economic plan, dubbed Bidenomics, ahead of a potential government shutdown. Congressman Pat Fallon, he's from Texas. He says Bidenomics, a complete failure. Biden administration apparently doesn't care if a gallon of milk costs six bucks, so long as it forces everyone to purchase an electric vehicle that costs more than the yearly median household income. Fallon was in Congress D.C. yesterday, lashing out at what Republicans see as reckless spending. That was rebuked by Democrats who say the GOP is leading the nation towards a government shutdown that will disrupt food and cash assistance. Wage growth has fallen behind the pace of inflation in 20 of the past 22 Months. And that's what Fallon says he's most worried about. Mortgage rates have nearly doubled since Joe Biden took office, making it much harder for Americans to buy a new home. And that's clearly not the American dream. WABC News Time 514. Hunter Biden planning to plead not guilty now to federal gun charges after he was indicted last week. That's what his attorney said in a court filing Tuesday. Biden is also asking for his initial court appearance to be held remotely. The president's son was charged with three federal criminal counts. Two are related to Biden allegedly filing a form claiming he was not using drugs at the time he purchased a weapon in 2018. The third alleges he was in possession of a gun while using drugs. This comes after a plea deal with prosecutors fell apart earlier this year. I'm Brian Shook. WABC News Time 515. Now let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk and Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noam Aladen. Bit of a limbo here. Wednesday hump day kind of in between uh, week two and week three NFL action. So week two of the NFL done and over with here. We're looking ahead to early lines for this weekend's Local matchup in the NFL. Remember, the Giants are on a short week, so they're right back in action tomorrow night on Thursday night football in San Francisco against the 49ers. The G-Men are currently 10-point underdogs, you know, underdogs there. Yes, I'm in a pick em pool. You know, I'm in a bunch of them, but one of them is just the pick the, pick the games. Yeah. And um, I came in dead last last week among, like, 75 people or something like that. That checks out, yeah. And I made the argument that I should get part of the cash pot just like the top person did because it's just as hard to pick the fewest games right as it is to pick the most games right. Did you intentionally pick the fewest games right? No, no but that was my argument. <laughs> and nobody bought that, which I thought, because if I could pull that off a second time, I think they'd be amazed. Okay, so then maybe if you can make it a trend, if you could make it like a streak, then maybe you'd <laughs> right. have an argument. But just, uh, you know, a, a one out of, you know, just a, an outlier like that, I don't think... I don't think backs up your argument very yeah. well. You know how embarrassing it is among all you see seventy five names and your names yeah. at the bottom of the yeah. list. Yeah. Seventy five names. Yeah. No. Yeah. Come on. You I gotta know. Do, you gotta do better than yeah. that. All right. Not, we're, we're, good. not good at all. It wasn't, no. We gotta rebound. It will help Gnome rebound this week. If we feel like. I'm gonna have you fill it out today. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't have time <laughs> no, for that. He's not gonna do that, that sounds like extra work. That's what that sounds like to me. <laughs> the G Men are uh, currently ten point underdogs. No, they're not gonna have Saquon Barkley uh, tomorrow night. As for the Jets right now, they're two and a half point underdogs Sunday afternoon at home against the New England Patriots on the diamond. The Yankees lost seven to one at home to the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto to keep things within reach for most of the contest. The three run ninth inning. Out of Toronto, put the Bombers away for good. They'll try and rebound in the middle game of the series. Set for a 7.05 p.m. first pitch tonight. Michael King scheduled to get that start. As for the Mets, they lost a heartbreaker to the Marlins in Miami by a score of 4-3. After Miami's Jake Berger hit a walk-off single in the bottom of the ninth inning to give the Fish the win. 
Now, after squandering the first two games of the series, the Mets will try and um, salvage, I should say, the finale tonight in Miami. Set for 6.40 p.m. first pitch. Cody Senga will get the start there. Sports on 77 WABC Gnome. I am Justin Ellis. WABC News Time 519. Big days, of course, at the United Nations yesterday. It was President Biden's turn to speak before the 151-plus world leaders who have assembled here for the General Assembly. We watched on as his motorcade drove right by us on East 49th Street as he made his way to the U.N. Then he got there and he spoke about how Russia could end the war against Ukraine today if it wanted to. Russia alone, Russia alone bears responsibility for this war. Russia alone has the power to end this war immediately. Biden addressing world leaders Tuesday, uh, saying that uh, he and allies stand with Ukraine. It's the second year in a row Biden has made his annual remarks to the GA while Russia wages its war in Ukraine. And it's Russia alone that stands in the way of peace. Because the Russia's price for peace is Ukraine's capitulation, Ukraine's territory, and Ukraine's children. Like every nation in the world, the United States wants this war to end. No nation wants this war to end more than Ukraine. And we strongly support Ukraine in its efforts to bring about a diplomatic resolution that delivers just and lasting peace. Then a little bit later in the day, it was Ukrainian President Zelensky's turn to go after Russia. He said Russia has no right to hold nuclear weapons. He addressed the assembly yesterday afternoon. The mass destruction is gaining its momentum. The aggressor is weaponizing many other things, and those things are used not only against our country, but against all of yours as well. He made the argument yesterday, but too late. Zelensky said Russia should have been forced to give up its nuclear weapons back in the 1990s. He also says Russia is weaponizing the world's food supply. And it is a clear Russia's attempt to weaponize the food shortage on the global market in exchange for recognition for some if not all of the captured territories. And it was a big day, of course, for protests, trying to get the attention of these world leaders. You have the climate change protesters back out yesterday. And the presence of Iran's leader at the General Assembly led to protests in the streets as well. The demonstrations coinciding with the anniversary of Iran's nationwide uprisings that started last September. You remember those hundreds gathering yesterday uh, right near the U.N., hoping that leaders would hear their cry. Raisi is not our president of Iranian people. He is a murderer. His hands have blood on them. The seat of the United Nations that is Iranian seat belongs to the people of Iran, not this mass murder. Those protesters want Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, out and held accountable on, on the first anniversary of those uprisings where uh, people were killed. Uh, the... Um, uh, one of the women, uh, you remember, who became sort of one of the faces of that protest, the 22-year-old Kurdish-Iranian woman allegedly violated Iran's mandatory headscarf law. She became a rallying cry for women in Iran, and she was not forgotten at these protests yesterday. He was directly involved in the massacre of 30,000 political prisoners in 1988 and the continued repression of the Iranian people. And when I think about the laws in Iran and how discriminatory they are, 
especially against women. I can't stay silent. We are supporting the Iranian uprising, the women, the young, the youth, and who just lost their life. Yeah, I mean, it looked like that was going to happen last year. It did not. Iran's president, very dismissive of these protests and dismissive of Western world's criticism of his country's treatment of women, the nuclear program, and the crackdown on those dissenters last September. 523. Let's go up to West Point. They're being sued by the same group that filed lawsuits that ended affirmative action at colleges and universities. The Supreme Court's June ruling that struck down race-based admission policies didn't apply to military academies. Students for fair admissions argue in this lawsuit that West Point's use of race in the admissions process is unconstitutional. The lawsuit filed in a New York federal court claims because race is a, quote, positive factor for some West Point applicants, it is necessarily a negative factor for others. Students for Fair Admissions filed a lawsuit on behalf of two anonymous plaintiffs. James Flippin for 77 WABC News. Let's go down to D.C. More than 20 million Americans currently in recovery from drug or alcohol addiction. That's what second gentleman Douglas Emhoff said yesterday while speaking at this mobilized recovery event. It was a big one in D.C. So we're helping more and more Americans to get into recovery and to stay in recovery. And we are going to keep doing this and keep fighting for you and everyone else. Now, this is happening as the U.S. has seen a record number of overdose deaths in recent years, surpassing more than 100,000 last we year. We want to make sure that everyone who is currently struggling with addiction can experience the joy of recovery. We are celebrating more than 20 million Americans who are in recovery, which is pretty good. Uh, they had all kinds of celebrities. A rapper, uh, Malcolm Moore, he opening up at this event about his struggle with addiction, uh, uh, which happened a number of years ago. Drugs and alcohol were a veil for me to tap to, to tap out of, of the higher power that I was that I would tap into when I was clean. And the minute that I would put drugs, alcohol in my body, it was like that light switch just turned off. And he was calling for more affordable rehab treatment centers. They are awfully expensive for most people. And it wasn't until I went to treatment for the first time at the age of, of 25 where I learned that I actually had the disease of addiction. No one, to my knowledge, at that point within within hip-hop culture had come out and been like, guess what, guys, Like, I don't use drugs and alcohol, or even more so, I'm in recovery. All right, let's go out to uh, Los Angeles 525. Vanessa Bryant joining the fight now to save an iconic downtown Los Angeles mural of her late husband, Kobe, and her daughter. The owner of Hardcore Fitness was given until the end of this month to remove the mural or pay her landlord to have it painted over. She said she'll do whatever she can to preserve this mural. I know I may get in trouble for raising my voice, but I'm going to start for what I believe. So the issue is the landlord wants to place advertising on that wall, so he wants the mural gone. The mural depicts Lakers legend Kobe Bryant and his daughter Gianna, both with angel wings and halos over them. 526, it seems like artificial intelligence is popping up just about everywhere these days, uh, even in houses of worship. A church in Austin, Texas, let ChatGPT create the prayers, sermon, and even an original song for last weekend's service. If we can experience the sacred in something like artificial intelligence, then maybe we can see it in that neighbor who has political beliefs we just cannot stand. It is an interesting way to uh, 
fill the seats by saying chat GPT will create the service. That's Pastor Jay Cooper, who says uh, it was interesting. Can God receive our prayer through artificial intelligence? Can we find sacred in that which we would never call sacred? So here was the deal. They were trying to test whether chat GPT can uh, have empathy can a computer have empathy, which is, you know, a big part of religion? The purpose is for us to wrestle with the nature of truth and also how do we see sacred in our world? Yeah, so he said it was interesting because it was pretty close to a service that they would do, but he said it was missing that empathetic part. Let's take a look at Wall Street. Stocks retreated yesterday ahead of the Federal Reserve's decision on interest rates. Disney shares fell more than 3% after the company announced plans to nearly double its investment in theme parks and its cruise businesses. Shares in Deere and Company lost about 2% after a downgrade by a major ratings firm. The Dow, it lost 106 points. S&P 500 shed nine. NASDAQ fell 32 points. Talk Radio 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yep, that's me, 532. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 20th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Sun clouds today. Just another beautiful day. High 76. Cool and clear overnight low 58 and then tomorrow we'll do it all over again sunshine high 75 if you're walking out the door with us right now so happy you are 52 in new city up in rockland county 55 and clear in keyport down in new jersey and it is 57 and clear here in midtown manhattan we'll start this half hour in brooklyn another violent start to the school year here in new york city the latest example of that is three teenage students rushed to the hospital yesterday after being stabbed after school in Brooklyn as they walked out of this building. The incident happening around 245 at the intersection of East 98th Street and East New York Avenue in Brownsville. Police say an 18-year-old was stabbed in the chest and two 17-year-olds were knived as well. When you do what you do, why don't you stay there and make their job a lot easier? Because clearly you don't care about nobody. Yeah, that's uh, people complaining that there's just not enough cops around this specific school. The 17-year-old taken to Kings County Hospital, critical condition, but we're now being told that he is expected to survive. Two 17-year-old boys stabbed, one in the ear, another in the chest. They are expected to survive as well. The school is the Brownsville Academy High School. It is a school for kids who have issues, have either dropped out of school or fallen behind behind in their studies. And some people who live in this neighborhood, just blocks away from the school, say there are fights there almost every single day. They stand out there and they just watch. The kids come out every single day, they're fighting, they're arguing, and they stand on the side and just watch everything take place. Every day since school started, there's been a fight every day. Now, the DOD, uh, DOE's official statement, the Department of Education, saying that the stabbings occurred off-school property during dismissal. But it was really, as students told us, minutes after dismissal. And all this stuff that's going on political and these people up here, they don't care about us. Because the stuff that, that whatever y'all doing, it's, 
it's affecting y'all. Those neighbors demanding, yeah, the neighbors demanding that more police, more cops surround the school at the beginning of the day and at dismissal. Police unsure exactly what started this whole stabbing spree. Three people stabbed. Um, so far, no word of any arrests. Up on the Upper West Side last night, another strike or a potential strike, I should say. It was opening night for the New York City Ballet, which is a big deal. But before the curtains went up, musicians for the ballet holding a rally outside of Lincoln Center as their contract negotiations have not been fulfilled. According to the union, the musicians are actually making 9% less today than they were the, in 2019 before the COVID pandemic. What do we want? When do we want it? Now, the company's doing great. Their finances are better than ever, but we're not seeing any of it. And the offers we've had at the bargaining table have been very bad. Now, the ballet company in a statement saying that the proposal from the New York City Ballet uh, is a good one. It includes restores the 9.3% cut they took during COVID, gives them future money in that contract as well. But uh, people at this protest last night say it's not nearly enough. I've loved the New York City Ballet since I was a little girl. We want to be inside making music and making art and making the world more beautiful. So now the orchestra has authorized a strike. If they can't reach a contract with the New York City Ballet uh, the ballet went on last night. Some ticket holders say they actually sympathize with those orchestra members. I believe that we should always be supporting artists. And as much as I am going to enjoy them tonight and watch them perform, I, I think that they should be heard. And I think that New York should stand with them. Two sides, New York City Ballet. The musician's going to meet again next week. The issue, of course, they're all most worried about is it's almost nutcracker season. And that's by far the biggest and most well-attended event of the year for the New York City Ballet. And so the thought is that hopefully they'll make a deal with these unionized orchestra players before the nutcracker season begins so they don't miss out on any of those performances. Of course, they missed out on so many of them during the pandemic, lost money there. They don't want to lose money again. WABC News Time 538. Of course, President Biden here in New York for the General Assembly at the United Nations this week. So we think it would be a perfect time for him to sit down with Mayor Adams and try to hash out this migrant crisis. But the mayor saying yesterday that there is currently no plans for him to meet with the president. They have the right to do so, but if we're not putting... And uh, here he's talking about uh, the, the word that there's no meeting comes as dozens of lawmakers have filed this lawsuit to block the Adams administration from housing migrants at Floyd Bennett Field. And that's what he wanted to talk about yesterday during a press conference. They have the right to do so, but if we're not putting it in Floyd Bennett Field, we're going to put it somewhere. And so if they saying don't put it in Floyd Bennett Field, then I can't, I don't want to hit them later saying don't put it on my block. Yeah, the mayor is saying, of course, that he is running out of room uh, as uh, 2,000 migrants arriving here almost every single week. We have to put 116,000 people that are coming 10,000 a month. We have to put it somewhere. If they don't want it there, then they can't get upset when it goes inside their neighborhood and, and, and block. We're trying to be as least intrusive as possible 
to everyday New Yorkers. Yeah, and it seems like it would be a good time to rehash what is the big story of the morning out on Staten Island connected to this migrant crisis. About 10 o'clock last night, they tried to roll buses into Midland Beach to start housing migrants in a former senior citizen center. A large group of protesters met that bus. Uh, police came out, around 300 cops or so. Curtis Sliwa, who's actually sleeping right next to me as we speak, was leading the charge last night. Here's what he had to say. Well, you would think uh, that there were terrorists here. I count 300 cops standing, blocking us, threatening to arrest us. There's 50 police cars treating the citizens of Staten Island as if they're criminals. Remember, in the summer of 2020, this is where Blue Lives Matter started. The residents of Staten Island stood with the cops when nobody else did against Black Lives Matter Antifa. And now, because Eric Adams orders them out here, they come out in force. And I said to them, this is the same mayor who signed a consent decree just a week ago that don't even permit you to put your hands on demonstrators. You're not able to do anything. And yet he tells you to run here and you drop everything you're doing and you line up against us as if you're criminals. This is a disgrace. So there were about 12 buses. One of them was filled with the migrants. That's where the protesters faced off against the cops trying to stop this bus from rolling into that senior citizen center. Uh, center. Father uh, Capodano Boulevard in Midland Avenue again about 10 o'clock last night. And uh, then that's when police rolled in, started making arrests of some of these protesters who were blocking this bus. All the people we're doing here is having a protest exercising their First Amendment right of free speech against illegal aliens coming in. We don't know who they are. We don't know what their backgrounds are. And the worst thing is 200 senior citizens got kicked into the streets, Americans from the greatest generation, some veterans, to make room for gangbangers, drug dealers, maybe rapists, narco-terrorists, sex traffickers, John Tobacco, who's also been in the forefront of these protests to keep the migrants from settled, being settled in Staten Island, was watching on as uh, these protesters, 10 of them, were arrested as they tried to push this bus through. Between the people and the bus full of migrants, hundreds of cops showed up. People were outraged. People were unruly. They were being civilly disobedient. And there was a standoff for over four hours with the migrants in the bus. Finally, a massive police presence came. The borough commander, Galata, started ordering people to be arrested to intimidate the protesters and scare them. Eight people were arrested while trying to block the roadway and block the buses from coming in. Senator Andrew Lanza was there. Curtis Lewa was there. And hundreds of people in the community. Mayor Adams thought we were only defending St. John Villa, but in Staten Island, we're defending everywhere. So in the end, is actually 10 arrests. We got an updated number from the NYPD. That bus did eventually make its way to that senior citizen center last night on Staten Island. WABC News Time 543. Let's go up to the Bronx. Federal prosecutors announcing new charges after the tragic death of that one-year-old boy at a Bronx daycare center after he was exposed to deadly fentanyl. U.S. Attorney Damian Williams says they're still looking for the daycare owner's husband. He's missing still. We're not going to give up. We're not going to get we're going to get him. The daycare owner and her tenant now being charged with narcotics possession with intent to distribute resulting in death conspiracy to distribute narcotics resulting in death. And in particular, they found a brick of fentanyl 
about one kilogram in weight right on top of children's play mats in the daycare's closet. There continues to be a memorial to that one-year-old outside that daycare center, of course, which is still closed today. 543 out to Long Island, where a man was pulled from his car after crashing into the water surrounding the Freeport Marina. Police say the speeding car went airborne, uh, airborne over a boat, then plunged into the canal. Witnesses say he went by so fast it was kind of a blur. It was a scene that you don't want to see. Like he didn't want to be taken out of that water. And I never saw the car. I never saw the car hit the water. I never saw the car in the water. It was already sinking, I guess, within seconds. In sort of a weird twist of this story, so the car goes into the water. It starts sinking almost instantaneously. A good Samaritan, a guy from Ukraine who just came here three days ago, sees it. He jumps into the water, and he gets the driver out. Here he is. Were you scared? No, no, it's just uh, very quick. Very quick. I I don't think about it. The victim uh, regained consciousness seconds after being pulled from the water. He was a little disoriented. In fact, he struggled with first responders trying to render aid. Firefighters now trying to figure out what exactly took place. Police will do their own investigation as well as they try to pull the car from the water. We don't know exactly why or how the car actually prompted entering the water. That's under investigation by Nassau County and Freeport Police Detectives. In fact, this morning, they'll be looking through surveillance video to see where that car came from. 545, let's head over to the 77WABC Sports Desk where we find Justin Ellick. Thank you, Noah Malayden, with week two of the NFL done and over with. We're looking ahead to early lines for this weekend's local matchups in the NFL. Remember, the Giants are on a short week, so they're right back in action tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football in San Francisco against the 49ers. G-Men are currently 10-point underdogs there. They will be without running back Saquon Barkley. As for the Jets, right now, they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs Sunday afternoon at home against the New England Patriots. On the diamond, the Yankees all 7-1 at home to the Blue Jays in the first of three with Toronto. After keeping things within reach for most of the contest, a three-run ninth inning out of Toronto put the Bombers away for good. They'll try and rebound in the middle game, the Bombers, that is, of the series, set for 7.05 p.m. first pitch tonight with Michael King scheduled to get the start. As for the Mets, they lost a heartbreaker to the Marlins in Miami by a score of 4-3 after Miami's Jake Berger hit a walk-off single in the bottom of the ninth. To give the Fish the win, now after squandering the first two games of the series, the Mets will try and salvage the finale. Tonight in Miami, set for a 6.40 p.m. first pitch, Kodai Senga will get the start there. No, that's your sports on 77 WABC. I'm Thank- Justin Ellick. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to step on it. Go ahead. Okay. Say it again so people hear your name. Oh, okay. Uh, th- that's sports on uh, 77 WABC and I'm... Uh, it? And I'm... El- and I'm... Uh, and I'm uh, oh, I had it the first time. You did. And then the second time around... You, you, you forgot just, your name. Uh, yeah, yeah. God. Ellick it's Justin it. Ellick. Oh, got it. Thank you. Thank there you, you very much. Thank Thank, you. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Let's catch you up on some of the bigger stories of the morning. This is one everybody's talking about. The Marine Corps suspending flights for a number of days after that F-35B fighter jet disappeared for about 12 hours after a pilot ejected over South Carolina on Sunday. Questions have been raised about how the military could lose such a sophisticated and expensive airplane for a dozen hours. They literally picked the most elite fighter pilots to go on this particular airplane. And the training is very exhaustive for even the experienced 
fighter pilot. That's Captain Ross Amer. He's a retired airline pilot, CEO of Aero Consulting Experts, dealing in both commercial and military aircraft. He says in 2008 dollars that F-35 cost about $88 million, or today's money, about $110 million. Debris, no doubt you heard from the plane, was eventually found about 100 miles north of Charleston. A spokesman from Joint Base Charleston says the plane's transponder wasn't working. Of course, the question is, why isn't a transponder working on a $110 million plane? One of the questions asked to Captain Ross Amer. By far, F-35 and this particular model, the B model, which is the VTOL or vertical takeoff and landing type. This one is the most sophisticated and expensive, as you could imagine. So it's tough to figure out what went on. Lots of people speculating that somehow this plane's computer system was hacked. I guess that's a possibility. We don't know any of that. Uh, Obviously, if uh, anybody in the military knew there are vulnerabilities, they have to basically stop the aircraft from flying grounded till they find out what it is. So now the investigation goes on with the Marine Corps and this same consultant builder of airplanes says uh, he thinks that investigation will be done quickly. Because at some point there may even be pressure on them to ground the fleet. And they don't want to do that. WABC News Time 550. The big three U.S. automakers disputing claims of unfair and excessive CEO pay. It's those accusations made by the United Auto Workers are on their fifth day of their strike against the big three automakers. Uh, Stellantis uh, COO Mark Stewart says their CEO's pay depends on the success of the company. Our CEO is is paid based on the performance of the company. Yeah, 90 plus percent of, of Carlos's pay is tied to that. GEM's CEO, Mary Barra, says her $29 million pay package is tied to the success of GM and claims when the company does well, everybody does well, but the UAW disputes that. Um, company officials, though, no, say they share the profits. Three years into our merger, uh, it's been three of the best profit-sharing years as we look over the last three years, and, and folks enjoying that, and we want to make sure going forward folks continue to enjoy that. So those workers will walk the picket line again today. It's over higher wages, a shorter work week, better pension benefits, and that will take place as uh, Donald Trump is going to skip next week's presidential debate, and he says uh, that he will hang out with these United Auto Workers and uh, support them. Uh, But the head of the United Auto Workers says he doesn't like that idea. Trump reportedly plans to meet with auto workers next week instead of attending the second Republican presidential debate. UAW President Sean Fain said every fiber of their union is being poured into fighting the billionaire class and economy that enriches people like Trump at the expense of workers. Fain said we need to stop electing billionaires and millionaires who have no understanding of what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. The UAW is on strike against the big three U.S. automakers demanding better pay and pension benefits. I'm Mark Mayfield. All right, let's bring it back home and go up to New Rochelle, a woman there charged with murder of another woman. After police discovered the body in this New Rochelle apartment, police say the deceased woman, a woman in her 20s, discovered in a third-floor apartment of this multifamily residence. The person they say killed her was this 40-year-old who was her roommate. Police say she suffocated the woman. Police say that then she took steps to conceal the body, obtaining bleach and placing the body 
in a storage bin, but apparently somebody figured it out and called the cops, and that's when they found the body. Now, neighbors say this 40-year-old woman who was accused of carrying out this murder was a bully and not well-loved on the block. She was fearful, um, but she did everything that this bully and this monster asked her to do. She did laundry, she cooked, she got tortured, and now she's dead? Oh. Now, Tilford now charged with second-degree murder, concealment of a human corpse. At least one heckler fed up with the migrant crisis let Governor Hochul know that at an event yesterday. The governor was doing an uh, event on anti-Semitism when the heckler stood up and started screaming at him. The crowd uh, actually booed this demonstrator, and she tried to move on with this event. Anyone else? That uh, anti-Semitism event going on. as as, uh, police were stepping up patrols uh, across the tri-state after multiple bomb threats were emailed to synagogues during the Jewish uh, High Holy Days. That was Rosh Hashanah. Over the weekend, now there's fears there may be more bomb threats come Monday, which is Yom Kippur. So um, here's Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, who says there seems to be a national trend to threaten these synagogues with bomb threats. This is a an organized uh, group of threats throughout the United States that have probably targeted over 100 synagogues. He says he'll have his police out, though, protecting those synagogues come Monday. Rabbi Beth Clafter, she is the rabbi at Temple Beth David out on Long Island. She says her synagogue was threatened. We also don't want people who are doing these threats to change the messages of the Holy Days. Our High Holy Days are about having pride in our Jewish faith, about coming together as community. The good news in all these threats across the tri-state is uh, they didn't find any bombs. Of course, it definitely created some panic in some of these synagogues during what is the day when they have some of the highest attendance at these synagogues. City politicians are once again debating the removal of statues. They say depict people who partook in crimes against humanity. They include, again, the statue of Christopher Columbus and Columbus Circle. Until recent years, Columbus was widely known as the man who discovered the new world. But uh, Councilwoman Sandy Nurse says there's more to his story, and uh, here's why she thinks that statue should be taken down. By contextualizing or mandating the removal of works of art depicting individuals who profited from the slavery of black people or committed heinous acts against indigenous peoples, we challenge the celebration of those who have perpetuated oppression. It does seem like we go through this fight every single year. Um, a member of the City Historical Society pushing back. He says you have to take all these historical moments in context. And in the case of Christopher Columbus, there's lots of members of the Historical Society who say he should remain in Columbus Circle. We need to appreciate, again, uh, historical context. Yeah, so anyway, they're pushing that. That was a meeting yesterday where they're pushing to um, to get rid of some of those statues. And finally, if I could find what I did with this final story, because here we go. Um, and finally, in Connecticut, Westport, Connecticut, police looking for carjackers who attacked a Westport man and stole his Aston Martin 
on Sunday afternoon. Investigators believe the carjackers targeted this guy after they saw him driving in that really sweet car and followed him home. He pulled into the garage of his Westport home. And then just seconds later, these guys in masks show up and tell him to get the hell out of his car. Now, he has cameras everywhere in his house, and it caught this whole interaction, which was awfully frightening. So these guys, you can hear uh, his wife comes out, but uh, they punch this guy. Thankfully, it doesn't seem like they had any weapons. They pulled off with his car. That car is worth about $200,000, and so far, cops have not found him. So he's out $200,000. That's the cheapest version of that car, by the way. Could be worth a whole lot more.